0: Good morning, friends. Welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place to explore faith. Today, we're gonna attend a wedding. And so we're gonna see how Jesus actually accelerated his timeline in showing his signs and miracles because of his compassion for the people at this wedding. So stay tuned. Back friends, well before we attend this wedding, I want to tell you a little bit of a story. Well, this week is Saint Patrick's Day, and it can kind of be one of those days that you celebrate. You get like a green milkshake somewhere, or you know, you you wear all all green that day. But there's actually a really great story about Saint Patrick, and the way that the story goes, or how I've heard the story, is that Saint Patrick, uh, he was really responsible for evangelizing a lot of the United Kingdom. And the way that he did that was a little bit different than the way that other people had prior to him, which which kind of aided and helped his effectiveness. The way that he did it was he actually went to each part of the UK and found the king or uh, or the governing authority of that particular area. And he would go and he would um, create relationship with that person. And as a result of creating that relationship with that particular ruler of the area, He was allowed into places where previous people who were trying to share the good news of Jesus were never allowed. And it was this effective, incredible strategy to be able to uh, share the love of Jesus with people in the United Kingdom. And he was really great at doing that and and spread the gospel throughout a lot of the United Kingdom. Well, we don't have necessarily kings that govern over us, but we still have our governing authorities today. We have our governments, both provincially and Uh, federally and even municipally. And so today uh, for our preamble, we kind of just wanna pray for for our governing authorities. They've been making some big decisions. They've been walking us through kind of the pandemic that we've been experiencing here. And we believe that that God has placed them there for a reason and that our response and our responsibility is to actually pray for the, the rulers around us and over us. And so we're just gonna take a quick moment to pray for them. But also, if you don't know, we actually have a global partner that serves parliament So uh, his name is Tim Schindle. He's part of Leading Influence Ministries. And what he does is he goes into Parliament and he prays with our MPs, our MLAs, with members of government that that find themselves in the House of Commons. And he's done an incredible job of creating great relationships, of building up other people to be able to do the same provincially as well. So we're gonna pray for our government and we're gonna pray for uh, one of our global partners today. So would you join with me? God, thank you so much that Uh, You are with us and that you are over all and that you are still working uh, in our country God I pray that uh, as you have put uh, people in place in our government to be able to rule over us and to govern us uh, Lord, I pray that you'd give them great wisdom that you give them great discernment that they would know that you are with them that they would know that you are calling them to you and that you are guiding them. And so God, I pray as they uh, make plans, as they uh, put forth policies, as they uh, understand and try and figure out what's the best decision for uh, this country, God, I pray that even if they don't know you, that your wisdom would be upon them, that you would be guiding their steps and that we would continue to just uh, support and pray for our government because we know God, that you uh, bring up and tear down those rulers according to your will and your principle. And God, we pray for our global partners at Leading Influence Ministry who are um, doing such a great job of ministering to Parliament. God, I pray that you would continue to give them um, inroads to be able to share the love of Jesus, that you continue to provide for them in all of the ways that you do, and that you continue to just walk with them, give them fresh vision and fresh eyes and fresh heart to see these people as um, your children and the people that you want to um, love and care for and show your love to. So we thank you so much for that uh, example that St. Patrick sent and, and gave for us. May we continue to, to do that here uh, in our prayers and here as we continue to be good citizens of this region and of this country. God, we thank you and we pray us in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks guys for joining with me in prayer. I'm going to pass it off to Pastor Lisa.
1: Good morning. Thanks so much for being here this morning. Well, I have a question for you before we begin, or it's going to kind of tie into what we're talking about this morning, and that is, what is the first meal that you are going to make or order in for people when we can finally get together in our homes again? I really would love to know. Maybe we can start like recipe sourcing since Hopefully, it looks like that light is right here. It's coming closer and closer every day. So what is the first meal you're gonna serve? Well, I don't know about you, but I tend to be an over-planner when it comes to getting together with people. In fact, one Christmas, I was asked to bring munchies to our family gathering and I didn't know what everyone would want, so I went in and bought one of every flavor of potato chips that there was because I'd rather be over-prepared than under-prepared. And likewise, we're going to see God's heart for hospitality and God's heart of compassion this morning as we dive back into John. But if you haven't commented yet, please do. What is that one meal that you are going to serve when we can finally have guests come back to our homes? And I don't know about you, but I'm a little nervous. Like, I know know if I'm gonna remember how to cook for a group. It's been a year. So maybe we should all just pass up on the first dinner invitation that we get and allow someone else to be a guinea pig. Who knows? Well, turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter two. John chapter two. And we're continuing on in this um, series on John. Sorry, I'm a little bit hard to get there this morning. And if you don't have a Bible, we would love to get one for you. So head over to myevangel.churchforward slash Bible, Myevangel.churchforward slash Bible. If you're in the Powell River region, we'd love to get you a paper Bible. If you would like one digitally or you're outside of Powell River, there are some links to the app stores there that you can download this there. So we're going to start right off the bat with verse 1 of John chapter 2. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Through which he revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him and after this he went down to capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples and there they stayed for a few days let's pray well god i thank you so much that you reveal your heart through your word and so this morning as we look into your heart of compassion for this young couple would you move us to be reminded of your heart of compassion for us god would you help us to bow our knee in dependence on you would you help us to realize our need for you and god as always would you guide us into your truth so would you allow that which is just my own words coming forth my own good ideas of who you are coming forth just to vanish but holy spirit would you speak to us for you are the spirit of truth and we love you in your precious name Amen. Well, this is a well-known moment in the Bible. In fact, we sing songs about this moment, don't we? It's the first miracle of Jesus, and it gives us this glimpse into the character of God, the heart of God. And it's an important moment. First, because God loves a party, and I love that we get this glimpse of Jesus just having fun, just going to normal things, like a wedding reception. We serve a fun God, We serve a God of joy and creativity and life. But more than that, I love what it shows us about the heart of compassion that Jesus has. How he is moved by real life messy moments that we all experience in our day to day lives. And so I like that we get this glimpse of compassion in action. Let's dive in. Verse 1 through forces. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus's mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus's mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, or like, I know that sounds really harsh, but it would have been like my lady. Like it would have been um, kind. <laughs> Why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. And as with all things in the Bible, we need to remember the context to really understand what's happening in this situation. So let's just quickly zoom out. Uh, Let's look around this narrative that we have in John to better understand it. So this is this continuation of when Jesus called the disciples. The first couple chapters of John almost read like a day planner. Like on Monday, Jesus ran into John the Baptist and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the next day, Tuesday, this happened. And the next day, Wednesday, this happened. And so this is like in pretty uh, consistent and subsequent order. And so this is amazing that not only does Jesus attend this wedding, but he brings his new 12 closest friends um with him talk about a gracious bride to be like yes you were invited but your plus one turned into plus 12 sure come on but it seems like jesus has some sort of connection to this family anyway because mary his mother is quite concerned about this young couple i'm speculating we don't know how old they were but why is she concerned and, I mean, there's more than just, oh, they ran out of wine, which is sad. Like, the party should keep going. It would be the same as running out of uh, food that you're serving at a dinner party, right? It, it's a big deal, but is it that big of a deal? Well, actually, it was. This is a serious faux pas in the Jewish culture, not being adequately adequately prepared to host your guest was a major violation of hospitality. And this was a moment that could have the potential to mar this couple's standing in society. It could have the potential to haunt them for the entire rest of their lives. This was a serious deal. And so no one really knows why they ran out of wine that's not here, but speculation is that maybe this was a couple of limited means. And they provided all that they had and hoped for the best. And Mary realizes the gravity of this moment. And so she turns to the only person that she can think of who can do something about it, Jesus. And he does. The compassion of Jesus compels him into action this isn't the only time that we're going to see that. That Jesus' compassion moves him to action. We're going to see that over and over in the Gospels, where Jesus had compassion on them and. God's heart is soft for humanity. His heart is soft for you. Have you ever stopped to ponder that? I mean, we use that phrase often. I have a soft spot in my heart for. And it's usually some sort of cause that... Compels us to action. It compels us to champion something outside of ourselves. It turns our head. It gives our full attention to something and it guides our behavior. Friend, God has a soft spot in His heart for you. You turn His head. You get His attention. He looks out for you. The compassion that He feels for you guides. His behavior, he is attentive and active in your life, whether you recognize it or not. God is for you and he is concerned with what happens in your life, just like he was concerned with this wedding reception of this couple. And reading through this narrative, it can maybe seem like Jesus wasn't all that compassionate. Maybe his words feel a little harsh to you. Like, this is just a man who's been bullied and nagged by his mother into doing something that he didn't really want to do. I mean, he does seem a little bit short with her, doesn't he? And, I mean, as I've already said, woman was respectful, my lady. It was polite. Um, But his response is, my hour has not yet come. Woman, why are you involving me in this? It's not my problem. My hour hasn't come. And it can seem a little, like... Compassion is the farthest thing from that statement, but you know I found really interesting as I was studying for this sermon is that theologians are actually divided on what that statement actually meant. Now, yes, there are some who say that my hour has not yet come. Was Jesus in his perfect plan of how he was going to reveal himself as Messiah to all of humanity was saying, it's not my time to start my miracles yet. This is not the moment where step one of this redemption plan of humanity is supposed to begin. But others think that maybe Mary jumped the gun. (laughs) Maybe Mary saw the dwindling stores of wine and she went to go get Jesus. And he is saying, wait, there's no need for me yet. Hold on. My hour at this moment to provide a miracle has not yet come. Jesus wasn't dismissing Mary's concern and he wasn't rejecting the need of this couple. He was just saying that the moment for his perfect execution of this miracle wasn't here yet. He was going to quietly and privately orchestrate a miracle that not only would meet the needs of this couple, but it would also allow them to save face. No one would know that they had run out of wine. I know that I felt like Mary often. How many times do I go to God and I'm like, but why? Can't you see there's this need? Can't you do something, anything? And I can almost throw my hands up in despair with what seems like God being inattentive or God being inactive when it feels like my prayers are bouncing back down for me from the ceiling. But friend, God sees you. He sees you, he's attentive to your cries, and I have had God come through in my life so many times when I felt like he didn't hear me that I can promise you that he isn't inattentive and he isn't inactive, but rather he might be quietly and privately orchestrating a miracle that you don't even realize is in the works. I'm sure this couple had no idea what Jesus was about to do behind the scenes with these servants. And if we're willing to trust him, to choose the perfect moment and the perfect orchestration, then I promise you he's going to work out the best for your life and for mine. And he is trustworthy. Let's pick up again in verse 5. And so his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he did not realize where it had come from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. The compassion of Jesus compels him to action. And God's action is abundant. Can you imagine what would have happened if the servants hadn't followed Mary's directive to follow or, and do whatever he told you? What if they had only filled up four of the jars instead of the six? What if they had only filled them up partway? And I wonder how often I obey God's prompting partway. When he wants to respond with compassionate action through me, and I obey partway. And I wonder how often I've limited the miracle of God by my limited obedience. Thankfully, these servants obey all the way. And we have this gap. We watch their obedience. We have this gap. We don't really know what happens. And we have this miracle. We don't know if if Jesus spoke a word like he did in creation. We don't know if as the water entered the jar, it immediately turned to wine. We don't know. It's only really necessary for our imaginations to know anyway. But Jesus tells them to bring the wine to the master of the banquet. In other words, the wedding planner. And what do they find? They find that the wine is not just adequate, it's excellent, because friends, God doesn't do anything in half measures. The compassion of Jesus compelled him to abundant action, rich, plentiful provision. And the compassion of God towards you compels him to abundant action. And I want to pause here a moment because I don't know about you, but I hear that word abundant or abundance and I just think of material wealth and comfort. And maybe you don't, maybe that's just my thing. But I think of plenty and money and ease. Like somehow God is a genie in a bottle and that when I give my life to him and he... um, blesses me, that it's going to create for me this utopian life where I have all that I want whenever I want it. That's a pretty spoiled life. That my blessed life, when God grants favor upon me, is going to be a life of creature comforts, where I have no more needs in a full bank account. And I think we have a whole bunch of people who give in to that lie and then they're discontent or they think that God's untrustworthy when he doesn't come through as their genie in a bottle. But I want to tell you what the blessed life is from Jesus' own lips. Because the blessed life doesn't look anything like what I would say it looks like. You ready? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Hashtag blessed. That is not the blessed life that i think of when i hear abundance and yet this is the blessed life why on earth would anyone equate that list to blessing because each and every one places us directly in the path of the compassion of god each and every one brings us to our knees in total surrender and dependence on Jesus each and every one is going to bring us closer to him and when we need Jesus for each breath that we take he abundantly provides he provides comfort and satisfaction he provides mercy he provides presence and righteousness and he provides not just the bare minimum but he provides abundantly all that we truly need The compassion of Jesus compels him to abundant action. And coming face to face with that compassion of Jesus changed the disciples. In verse 11, we're told what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. I think that's such an interesting line. (laughs) The disciples believed in him. And it's interesting because these disciples had just... Like a day or two before, decided to give up everything and follow him. But now we're told they believed. Friend, are you following Jesus or do you believe in him? And there really is a difference. We can follow the good teachings of good men and not believe that he's God. We can ascribe to the theory of who God is without having a relationship with him. The God who sees you, who knows the storms that you're in, is moved with compassion for you. And he's moved to action for you. Not just to ease your life, but also that you may believe in him. And this morning, I know that we have some of you out there and you're walking through big storms. I know, because we know your story. I know that there are others of you that are on the other side of this computer screen and you're walking through a storm that we don't know about. We're praying for you. We are petitioning a God who has moved with compassion for you to act on your behalf. You are not alone. You have a community of faith that's surrounding you who, like Mary, brings your request to Jesus. But God himself sees you and he has compassion for you and his compassion compels him to abundant action. And so he wants to offer you his peace and his presence abundantly. We're also going to pray that miraculously he would change the circumstances of your story like he changed the circumstances of this couple's story. And we're going to believe that he will calm the storm and he will eradicate whatever problem you face. But Remember, he's not a genie in a bottle, and just like he knew perfectly the timing and the execution for this couple, he knows perfectly the timing and the execution for your life to bring out the best for you. So, if you're walking through a storm this morning that nobody knows about, would you let us know? I've been working on my mind reading abilities, and they're not any better than they were before COVID, unfortunately. So you're gonna have to tell me. You're gonna have to reach out and let us know that you're going through a hard time so that we can walk through it together. Because you were never meant to do this life alone. We believe that. And I'm so grateful that even if no one else that's around us knows what we're walking through, we have a God who will never leave us. He will never abandon us and he is with us in the trenches through every single fight. So right now let's pause, let's pray, let's bow our knee before a God of compassion, a God who is compelled to abundant action by his love for you and me. So Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you have all of the might and power, that you are able to do all things. We know who you are, We know that you are a God of love. We know that you are a God who is near. We know that you are a God who surrounds his people with peace. And right now, for those who find themselves in the middle of a storm, Father God, I pray that they would find you near, that they wouldn't be wondering where you are, but they would hear your voice with a new clarity, that they would know your presence with a new certainty. That they would be able to walk out of this storm with a deeper relationship with you. God, I thank you that you've promised that those who mourn will be comforted. So we pray for those right now that have lost loved ones. We pray for those that have um, had broken relationship in this season and are just grieving so much. Would you comfort them? Would you wrap them in your arms of grace and peace? Lord, we pray for those who need a touch in their bodies, who are dealing with sickness and disease. God, would you miraculously place your hand of healing upon them? Would you strengthen them? Would you fortify them? Would you guide medical teams? We pray for those that need changes in circumstances. Would you do what only you can do as our provider? Would you bring all of us to a place where we depend on you more? We would find you faithful there. We love you in your precious name, amen. Thanks for joining me today, friends.
0: Well, thank you so much, Pastor Lisa, for just giving us such a great uh, word about how Jesus is moved to compassion and that his compassion isn't just mere sentiment, but that it propels him into action and that he sets that stage for how we should really act in our lives as well. Um, And so thank you so much, Pastor Lisa. Well, we really value your guys' partnership um, in all the ways that that happens. But uh, we would love to continue to partner with you and and as you partner with us in giving. And so there are many ways to give and I'm not gonna go through them all this morning, but if you go to myevangel.church forward slash give, there will be all of the ways that you can do that, whether that's here in the office, whether that's this morning or whether that's online as well. Thank you so much for joining us, friends. We will see you next week. (laughs) you. <laughs>